Welcome to Mountain Meister, everyone. Today on the show, we have this. I mean, something so complex and amazing that somebody like Leonardo da Vinci sees as the preeminently engineered part of the human body. What are we talking about? Any guesses? What body part did Leonardo da Vinci think was so complex? The foot! The human foot is the answer, and you're going to find out why today on Mountain Meister. We're going to talk all about feet today, but don't worry. I know some of you might have a foot phobia. The Mountain Meister podcast is all audio, so it can't get too bad, right? Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice with your host, Ben Shank. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mountain Meister. My name is Ben, and today on Mountain Meister, we welcome Ted McDonald, who is often referred to as Barefoot Ted. Ted received his nickname when he began running barefoot and eventually achieved a barefoot marathon. Barefoot Ted has also run a bunch of ultra marathons, including the Leadville 100, which is probably the most miserable thing that a human can do to him or herself. Ted is the founder of Luna Sandals, which double as both minimalist running sandals and also everyday footwear used for a variety of different activities. Ted, welcome and congratulations on becoming a mountain meister. Hey, thank you so much. It's a, I feel great being a mountain meister today. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ted, when I first heard about Barefoot Ted, I thought two things. And the first is that your feet must be absolutely repulsive. Is that true? Well, you know, that's a very interesting – I can easily imagine how people would think that. But actually, healthy bare feet, um, it sort of would be like looking at your dog's feet and determining – whether your dog running around doing the things that it does in its own feet would end up having repulsive feet. I guess on some (laughs) cases the answer could be yes, and in other cases the answer could be no. I guess repulsive is a little subjective, right? Yeah, very subjective. (laughs) I mean, ultimately some people are repulsed by the barefoot itself. It's a very interesting psychological phenomenon. You should look into it. But that being said, in and of itself, my feet, I would say, end up exuding a kind of an element of healthfulness and um, what a natural foot would experience when it's being exposed to light and air and different, uh, you know, the, the environment where it literally involved in. Now, that being said, there's many situations where, that's why I have a sandal company, footwear ends up becoming extraordinarily valuable. And I've just found that the most comfortable footwear is always the best. Wherever you can make and allow the human animal to move and function in the way it was actually evolved to handle it suddenly ends up becoming sort of like a hunting dog that's been locked in a room all its life, given an opportunity to be out in the real world, redeveloping these fundamental capacities comes pretty quick and easy based on just the form and function of a a healthy, natural human foot. So that's sort of what the barefoot Ted has always been about for me. I like it. So that was the first impression. And my second was that you you have to be absolutely insane and you might get this sometimes but you know you run your first marathon and you wanted to do that before you turned 40 
and then you decide to run it barefoot. So I'm thinking, you know, this guy must have completely lost it, midlife crisis, running in bare feet. But I have to say I'm wrong after doing some some research. You know, I look into you. You're, you're a pretty down-to-earth, interesting guy. You've, you've got kind of a unique flair. So since you aren't completely insane, how did you start running without shoes? Well, I got fascinated by what might be the very best equipment for running. I'm very, very much interested in good design, functional design. And um, uh, when and if it's done by humans or if it's just by virtue of having inherited the right, you know, naturally selected for, uh, um, equipment, which I really see the human body as an extraordinarily uh, uh, sophisticated piece of ancient technology that just happens to get passed on by genetic code rather than by, you know, human cleverness. Um, in the process of doing that, I... I was thinking that there was something that maybe humans have invented that would make it better for us to locomote ourselves over the planet. And the more I did research on that, the more I realized actually we already more or less picked up the best equipment we'll ever have. I mean, something so complex and amazing that some, somebody like uh, Leonardo da Vinci sees the human foot as the preeminently engineered part of the human body. And that being said, I got intrigued. I was experimenting with some other things that were uh, human inventions that weren't working for me. And I think part of the reason for some people that barefooting becomes a tool that helps them find the way to move like a human being is all the proprioception and feeling in some people's feet help sort of stimulate and tune them into a certain movement pattern that in many cases, and for people like me who grew up in surf and skateboard culture and was barefoot all the time, quickly allow me to um, more quickly, let's say, than uh, any other way, tune into what the best form for movement what, uh, happened to be for me. And it turns out to be a much lighter, uh, more energetic, uh, less pounding and jarring kind of movement pattern. And for those of us who discover it, it ends up becoming you know, a, a, a whole new world of opportunity to move in a way that human beings are perfectly designed and adapted to do. And that's all I, that's all. I was just following the riff of the best not necessarily trying to just do something outlandish. I was following sort of like a surfer making a surfboard, trying to just weave, you know, hone down the design of what it would be and getting to the fundamentals, getting to the bare basics first and mastering that, just like in any martial art or gymnastics or surfers, you know, they don't start out wearing shoes. You have to be connected to your body and in real time to your feet, and then you start getting good. And that was how it worked for me. So, so you hinted at it a little bit there, but I, I was wondering if barefooting is for – is this something that's for everybody, or do you think it's kind of anatomical and depending on if things are a certain way, then barefoot works for some people but not necessarily for others? It's a fascinating experiment and open-ended question that we still don't know the answer to because right now – in the world are probably the largest cohort of human beings who have ever lived who uh, in many cases never actually went barefoot. I mean, there's growing numbers of people who've been wearing footwear their entire life. Whether or not that um, inadvertently uh, hmm. causes an atrophying of the foot to the point where it can never function like a human foot again, that would be an extraordinarily sad situation. My, uh, I, and I don't have the answer to that, but my uh, personal uh, experience is that the people it works for happen to be just basic, you know, homo sapiens sapiens, nothing special per se, but certainly those who 
at least had opportunities to be barefoot in their early developmental lives, um, much like learning another language that they had sort of already studied a little bit in their childhood, mm -hmm. it comes a lot easier, I think, than somebody who literally never heard the sound of a, let's say, a different language, and they're, you know, just being immersed in it. Um, the person who had a little bit of experience is probably going to be you know, uh, less likely to be traumatized mm -hmm. by the experience and might gain something from it. In the end, though, for me, one of my famous uh, uh, phrases is the only thing I'm dogmatic about is being dogmatically against being dogmatic. I have no idea <laughs> if this is going to work for everybody. I think self-experimentation is really our birthright, and becoming an expert on yourself is a very good place to start and not working with the premise that human beings are born broken by default since they evolved on this planet in mostly terrain that you can still have access to. The likelihood that your foot is pretty darn good or needs very little to be at its best is probably high. So from what I saw when I was doing a little bit of research, there are some studies saying that running shoes can alter the way that your foot naturally strikes the ground. Some people naturally strike the ground with their foot, not heel first, a different part of their foot first. It alters your gait. So is this, do I have the right thought pattern here? And then for the people who do naturally strike with their heel first, then going to a barefoot style could potentially make you more injury prone or injure your Achilles and some other part of your body. Do I have that right? Or I'm sure there's more to it than that. Well, I think it's a it's a kind of a it's it's on the right track probably. If you were an investigator, I'd say you're on the right track. Mm. Um, I would say it's more along the lines of um, probably many of the gait problems that come are connected to. Uh, for example, one study was showing that when you put running shoes on people and have them run on a treadmill, the variability of their gait patterns is much greater than if you took all their shoes off and just made them all run barefoot on the mm -hmm. same. In other words, the variability starts getting much greater. And I think what that uh, uh, variability in gait patterns when people are wearing footwear in general is because their body's um, miscalculating. It's getting uh, information that doesn't compute exactly right, and it's overcompensating or undercompensating, trying to figure out where the right place would be. Um, whether or not uh, there are people who naturally – I mean, in other words, another part of running, you could say, is that it's a skill set. Um, and you pick it up through imitation of patterns like your parents might be doing or your society might be doing. And those patterns end up becoming you know, prevalent in everybody who does that particular movement thing. And we might have – you could say that we sort of created a culture of people moving in a certain way based on footwear that was ubiquitous and commonly used that, that, and expectations of how we're supposed to move. We kind of all adapted maybe into a way that's uh, not necessarily good. And the argument for that is apparently there's a pretty high likelihood of having um, injuries as a modern runner. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, with all the new and better bells and whistles and safety equipment or you know, si shoes that are designed better and better supposedly to help people running better more and more, it turned out that that wasn't happening and indeed it was almost the opposite was happening so those are some of the factors but in the end as a as a personal you know investigator let's say or somebody self-experimenting getting a, playing around with the idea that barefooting or at least the the barefoot in and of itself or something close to it is um might be a viable tool for learning how to run more uh, efficiently 
it's it's not very hard for most people to see that there might be some uh, value in uh, approaching uh, running in that way. There might be something to be gained. Maybe it's not that they have to be all barefoot, but they might learn something about their own physiology and their own evolutionary biological history that makes them tune into the idea that maybe the idea that my foot's just completely no good and needs everything and uh, all kinds of special equipment in order for it to do what it evolved to do. Maybe there might be something inherently wrong in that argument for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So we talk about experimentation and I mean, I'll be completely honest. I'm probably thinking the same thing as a lot of our listeners, which is like, I don't want to just go out on my run and come back with my bloody feet or like no cartilage in my knees. So what is the best way do you think to start experimenting to see if this is for you? Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, obviously, uh, each person has to sort of uh, find their place in the self-experimental, you know, mm -hmm. uh, trajectory. I mean, if you've never been barefoot and you've never gone anywhere barefoot or done anything barefoot and your foot's always been in a shoe, you have a long road ahead of you. It may not even be worth the experiment. I don't know. I, um, on the other hand, probably there's a lot of people who have at least had experiences where they're at beaches or they're in their own house, so that they have some barefooting, and they're on another level, a little bit higher than the first one I mentioned. Then you have people who are, you know, doing yoga, or maybe they're surfing, or maybe they had a background of doing yoga, or something like that. They're yet in another category, and on it go on and on it goes until you get to people who, literally, like in India, the vast majority of certain populations, where their entire life from birth till death is basically done in bare feet. So. Where you fit on that trajectory is a first good place to start. I'm probably right between the person who has you know, gone to the beach and then uh, the person who's doing yoga and other activities in their bare feet. So I'm probably um, right in the middle of that scale there. All right. So in that sense, you know, the way you um, described it, though, like how you would go out and bloody your feet or something like that. Yeah, I mean, for my, in my own particular case – you know, it was quite a bit different than that. It was the opposite. It was, I was having all kinds of issues with footwear. Um, and many people have had that too, where they're getting bloody feet from blisters or whatever it might be. And in my case, it turned out because of my background of having grown up a lot of doing a lot of barefooting stuff in the surf and skateboard culture of Southern California back in the day, it being barefoot wasn't hardcore to me at all. It was sort of part of the way I grew up. So when it turned out that finding the way to being able to move in such a way that I could run most efficiently and joyfully and like efficient, you know, that it felt good, it just so happened that it wasn't my bare feet and they weren't like falling apart like you might describe <laughs> if somebody really had no background, right? And there, um, so um, I think that there was an over exuberance in some sense. After the book Born to Run and many people learned about barefoot running, um, maybe some people, um, maybe uh, uh, not exactly experienced self-experimenters, just went on the premise that, you know, this will work right away outside, out of the box and maybe did things that ended up harming them or whatever. The truth of the matter is, though, if they would have just been wearing their own running shoes that they've been recommended as it were, as a general population, runners were already very, very are and continue to be quite high in the um, injury uh, list of um, athletic activities you can do and be sure at the end of a year you'll have had some kind of injury. Running shoes hasn't prevented that. So they just had another, they found a different problem uh, to cause injury to themselves. And um, 
barefooting could have been one of them. I, I, I don't have a lot of evidence of it, but my guess is that that certainly uh, could be the case if you went at, about it in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, you know, some listeners also are probably thinking, I, I can't do this, you know, I've, I'm already so old. But you started pretty late. You started at 37, did I read? Yeah, I think that's about right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is running just a sport that you can really pick up like that, let alone barefoot running? Well, once again, you know, it's not like I was living on a couch my entire mm-hmm. life wearing, uh, you know, uh, wearing a, a tight boots or something. <laughs> I mean, I, I had a background in, in, you know, athleticism in, in from, from growing up as a child. Maybe I had sort of lost touch with it to some degree, as everyone will to some, to some degree. But I, I was a pretty good athlete. And so coming back to it uh, didn't seem that outlandish to me. And I, it just so happened that at the time I was doing my research, you know, as a good self-experimenter, there was some new and interesting data coming down the tubes that was are in the interwaves, let's say, which was about this whole new perspective of evolutionary biology and the way the foot is designed and how certain kind of efi- efficient running uh, styles tend to be uh, using the foot in a much more effective way those things just uh, all coalesced and fit into this solution that I was finding in my own experiments. Absolutely. Yeah. No, but I, but I mean, I guess my point is just saying that at 37 years old, that doesn't have to, your age doesn't really have to confine you to not go out and do something like a marathon. I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. No. Yeah. No. When you look at it, though, think about it. If you're living to be 100 years old, 37 isn't very old, right? You're just, it's like, Think of it in a scale like that. It, it might take you a half century to figure out how to some of these things. Where you know, who knows? I think that people should um, not. Assume, there's always room for finding better ways. If you're if you're having pain or problems, or you haven't come to your you know your peak of your fitness or whatever it is you want, um, you know, uh, staying on it for as long as it takes is worth the effort because, well, you're learning something all the time. And also just considering many, many different options, which it sounds like you were being open to this more minimalistic style versus trying to add more and more gear on. I think just being open to all different possibilities is very valuable. Hey, I was just following the experiments, really. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if the other thing would have worked or the other solutions I was trying would have worked, we would have been having a different conversation today. Right. Yeah. And I was listening to a talk that you did uh, and you talked about when you first started having these injury problems that you tried to look for the piece of or the shoe or a piece of equipment, which would allow you to have the most rebound off of the ground, I guess you could call it. (laughs) And you ended up feeling pain after instead of one hour as you had experienced before it was 15 minutes so i think yeah. it, was a, it was a good idea to go to the opposite end of the spectrum after that <laughs> totally man i was grabbing at straws but it, there was a lot of good data out there when i started doing that so i just got lucky to be able to find a solution that ended up, ended up working for me and i think ended up uh inspiring and working for a lot of other people let alone uh, you know a whole mass of humanity that's already you know, mastered this process through, you know, historical times up until even now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and for our listeners, you heard Ted mention Born to Run earlier. We won't be talking too much about it on this interview, but it is an extraordinarily popular book about the origins, really, of minimalistic running and about um, what are the Indians that do the running? Yeah, Chihuahua, Mexico, the, the, yeah. the Parumara Indians of northern Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing, amazing uh group of long distance mountain movers. So we'll throw that resource on our website. Ted, you've also started a company called Luna Sandals and Luna is named after the person who created the first pair. So tell us a little bit about Luna the person and then Luna the sandal. Right on. So I was going in 2006, I had reached a level where I was able to run a barefoot marathon in time enough to qualify for the Boston Marathon. So I had developed, I would say, a pretty robust running uh, capacity that was allowing me to uh, run fast and far further than I ever had even hoped, much sooner than I thought I would be able to. And I, but I was also uh, investigating what I like to call the natural selection of footwear in human cultures. And all over the place, in regions that had temperate enough climates or, um, you know, uh, there were these simple sandals cropping up and the people who happened to be still using them as a group of people, let's say the San people of South Africa or the Mount Hiezan Marathon monks of Japan or the, these Indians in Chihuahua, Mexico, known as the Tarahumara, or they call themselves the Raramuri, which means the fleet of foot people, um, these people were still wearing these sandals and stu- still doing these amazing things. So I got fascinated by them, and I wanted to uh, investigate, self-experimentation again, what it is that they were doing. Um, and so it just turned out there was a race going on down there, a 50-mile foot race, that um, uh, a guy named Caballo Blanco, he's a famous runner in the book Born to Run, was putting on or trying to organize. And I went down there. And while I was down there, my goal was to really learn about these sandals as best I could. And I met a guy named Manuel Luna, who was one of these, he is one of these Indians, we're the same age. And he had made several journeys in the 1990s into the United States to run in uh, various 100-mile races, including the Leadville, where he had run in uh, like 96, I think, and maybe once again before. And long story short, I convinced him to make me a pair of sandals and show me how to make them and show me how to wear them. And I started wearing them um, in 2006. And I kind of see them as like, uh, back to the analogy of surfers making surfboards, I see the simple sandal as like the basic platform, uh, just like a basic surfboard, which is basically a log, right? (laughs) Shaved down, let's say, (laughs) which you can do amazing things on. But there's little things that you can do in each tribe and group throughout history has tweaked the sandal to do various things and serve various purposes. What Luna Sandals is now is we've taken this very basic design, we've refined it using um, modern materials that are high quality, long lasting, easier to use and to wear. And we've made just again, like the analogy of surfers making surfboards, we're making very functional, but also stylish and comfortable uh, footwear here in Seattle and sending it all over the world. Um, We've got a little, what you could call a boutique factory here and a a showroom and just a few blocks away from the Space Needle. And we have customers literally all over the world and distributors all over the world and, of course, a website showing all our stuff. And um, it has become the most interesting thing that I've had an opportunity to sort of like all of my athletic pursuits and long-distance running and 
world record skateboard stuff and all of these kind of things, ultimately all of those skill sets that I learned in sort of perseverance and stayed true to the, uh, the, the, the goal um, has carried over into the way I run uh, this business. And we've been able to sort of like we're riding a big wave now for us people we're doing you know the best we can to meet the demand that's created by just a lot of people out there in the world doing amazing things from ultra marathons to 5k's to river trips to you know just touring to uh approach shoes for rock climbers and on and on it goes and then just everyday casual cool sandals that are comfortable to wear all the time that's what my goal was with luna um as a, a company and that's what we're achieving so it's super exciting yeah, it's cool how you talk about the uh, how your running career translates to running the company. As far as the sandal is concerned, and more specific to running in the sandal, is the purpose of it to strictly protect your feet from sharp things on the ground, but at the same time mimic that experience of running barefoot? Or is there an additional benefit, I guess, to running with the sandal? What I'll say is this, um, it's uh, what Lunas do, uh, it's, it's an open question still to determine what exactly, how they benefit. But the way I look at it is like this. These simple sandals, um, very lightweight, very minimal on, in many ways is the way they attach to the foot and so forth. And many of our sandals are like four ounces and under. So they're quite lightweight, even though they are, have barely, fairly significant soles in some cases. Well, a couple aspects of Lunas are that they form to your foot as you wear them. So they come flat. And as you wear them, your foot impression develops into the top, and it really starts like a new pair of jeans that starts getting better the more you wear it, or a baseball glove. Think of those analogies. It sort of ends up becoming more and more comfortable as you get used to wearing it. And I like to think of it as portable ground. You're bringing a piece of comfortable, consistent, <laughs> let's say hard-packed clay or soft sand or in many ways, again, like portable ground, that different different um, terrain, different adventures, just like different surfers need different surfboards for different situations. The sandals have, you know, we have some that are better for broken rocks and um, going through rivers. We have some that are better for you just want to be super light and fast in a 5K, or we have some that are better for you know being casual and uh, or approaching using as a, an approach shoe. You're carrying in your backpacks, um, and so forth. So there's a lot of different, um, uh, you know, we have some that are great all around. The the main one called the Mona, which means monkey in Spanish, is our best all-around sandal, for example. Mm -hmm. So in the end, it's just bringing this comfortable piece of portable ground with you and um, that's stylish and works, and in the end, you end up having a sandal that will uh, fit every need in every situation. Perfect. Okay, so if there is one place that every passionate runner needs to run in this world, where is it? Going down and visiting, you know, now there's the, the Caballo Blanco Ultra Marathon. And it's an event down in the Copper Canyons where these people who held on to their tradition and their running career and are the people featured in the book Born to Run, it's become like a mecca for a lot of people to sort of Go down there and see people who literally um, preserved a, a human running tradition that uh, allowed them to be sort of on the outskirts of civilization, preserving their own culture because of just the prowess of their great running techniques. 
Ted, thank you so much for joining us. Barefoot Ted, thanks for joining us. Uh, for our listeners, you can find the resources that we discussed today on our website, mtnmeister.com. We'll throw these on your Meister profile page, Ted. Uh, to find out more about Ted, you can visit barefoottead.com. Also, lunasandals.com to find more about the Luna Sandals. And we'll throw up some uh, Luna Sandals on your Meister profile page as well, Ted. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Ben. It's been a pleasure. Hi, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Ted McDonald, Barefoot Ted. Some of you may know that I'll be running a marathon. I won't be running the marathon barefoot, but I will be running it for charity. You can donate to my marathon running and to the Challenged Athletes Foundation. All proceeds go to them. I'm just running in the thing. Check out our website for the link to donate. And if you're one of the top donors, a guaranteed Jansport multi-day backpack will be coming your way. Also, I'll be randomly giving away one other Jansport multi-day backpack. So it's a win-win. Just donate to me. Just do it. Just donate. Right when you're done listening to me rant, go to our website, click the link to donate, and support a great cause. Next time on Mountain Meister, we're doubling up. I've got two guests for you. There's going to be three of us here. It's going to be a whole podcast party. Sounds like a lot of fun. I know. Jamie Grubel and Steve Langton are joining me. Both are American bobsledders and both won medals in this year's Olympics in Sochi. Talk to you then.